0: Of the King, welcome back to Wisdom for Wednesday, where we discuss varying subjects around womanhood and then analyze them through biblical truths. For today we're going to discuss identity. And you know, identity is just one of those broad concepts. There's just so many levels to it, there's just so many angles to it. But let's see what we do. Um, Every time I think of identity, it takes me to the movie Identity Thief. Such an interesting movie. Like, that movie is my all-time favorite. In this movie, Melissa McCarthy steals Jason's identity. And she has the time of his life. (laughs) It's completely hilarious. I I love it. In the same way Melissa steals Jason's identity, I am convinced is the same way that we have factors, incidents, and aspects in our life that could possibly rob us of our true identity or the identity that God created us to live up to. So, indeed, besides people, there are all these other factors that could be identity stealers, even in real life. Anyway, back to the topic. (laughs) Identity is what makes us who we are. It's what we are made up as. So it's the sum of qualities, beliefs, personalities, looks, expressions, and you know, many other factors that we're conversant with that basically make us who we are. This means that our identities could emanate from diverse sources. Our education gives us an identity you're either a nurse or a musician or an artist, based on the training you got from school. Our religion does does give us an identity and a solid one, but even when we're exposed to to Christianity as children, it's still up to us to decide whether we're going to identify with it or not. And for this reason, we have people who are born again and people who are not born again. Our families, oh, our families are our first sources of identity. That's where we are socialized. It's from our family settings that we learn certain beliefs and where certain traditions are reinforced, you know. Therefore, if there are a number of sources from which you can derive an identity and it means that one individual could have multiple identities for instance um, I went to school for psychology that that was my bachelor's degree but I don't practice so what I've found myself doing over the years is I've gone into business so besides being a psychologist on paper I'm also uh, an active entrepreneur. So in the same way, multiple identities imply one person could present a number of identification. I have a number of documents that identify me as the person I claim to be. So for one, I have a bachelor's degree certificate just to prove I went to school uh, I have a national identity card that proves indeed I'm a Kenyan. And I also have a birth certificate that verifies I am who I say I am. Like, it, it has my name on it, so it confirms that indeed I am she. Um, speaking of birth certificates, I have a very interesting story around this. So in keeping with African naming traditions, my parents went ahead and named me after a paternal auntie and of course this paternal auntie was named after her grandmother who was also named after another and of course as you as you can imagine it's a downward spiral from there you know how we do it africans the naming and whatnot and so they they named me rose mary francina joguene who let's just pause at that that's a mouthful that's like an entire statement why why would you why would you do that to a child honestly though <laughs> and so when i when i got to primary school i i just couldn't identify with the name i just felt it it was too much and No offense, but I didn't like the name Rosemary. I just thought it was, first of all, extremely popular. And second of all, I didn't feel like it really defined me. So in my eyes, that name wasn't working and it wasn't cutting it. So I told my parents about it. And luckily enough, they allowed me to to change it. And I dropped Mary and I dropped Francina. And I ended up keeping rose njogoine yeah yes to parents who who identify with their children's concerns you know um so now remaining with the name rose njogoine i felt more comfortable identifying with it and i know that there are so many other people out there who have struggled with their names or even continue to struggle with their, with their names. We find people who say, I don't really like my name. Someone else will say, I don't think I should have been called Mary. I don't think I'm an Emily. I don't think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Zipporah and whatnot. And so we find people just like me being troubled by such a basic means of identification, but as basic as it is, it it sets us out on a road where we start to, to question our identity in subtle ways, even without our knowledge per se. By questioning something as mere as a name, we subliminally question the identity acquired from our parents. And this goes to show how identity issues or conflicts can erupt from the most basic sources of identity. It had me thinking about the source of a solid identity. Uh, And so I went into the story of Ruth. You see, Ruth was coming from a nation that was godless and going into one that, that knew God. And I know women love to hear Ruth's story. Oh, we love a good Ruth Salmon, man. Especially the single women. It's the boys' part we actually love. (laughs) You know, every Ruth deserves a boys, honestly, though. Amen, ladies? Amen. But before boys, Ruth went through a very interesting process that is tied to her identity as a woman. Ruth was a Moabite, and Moabite was a pagan nation. They were godless in hindsight. Therefore, Ruth's first identity, socialization, was in a society that was godless. So you can imagine all that was happening in Moab. And so it happened that Ruth ended up being married by an Israelite, Malon. Malon was Naomi's son. Evidently, an identity crisis was looming. She, she was coming from a godless nation. And the God of Israel had already initially prohibited the Israelites from intermarrying with people from pagan nations. Booth's identity was in an uncertain position. She had gained a new identity as a wife, but it clashed with all she had identified with as a Moabite. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, we want to look at Booth and everything that is happening around her. But I know that we have found ourselves in such a position in one time or another where our belief system has clashed. With a new identity that we are trying to acquire, or we have already acquired, so what we see is an identity shift. Is not always rosy. If anything, an identity shift could result in a possible identity conflict. When we look back, we realize that from the get-go, Ruth identified with everything but. God and by God I mean the one true God the God of Israel the God we serve servant worship she became a wife and sadly in no time this newly acquired identity shifted again into widowhood so here is a young Moabite woman married into Israel married into the one true God that she knows nothing about. Um, She's trying to settle into this new culture. And then within no time, her identity has shifted again and she's now a widow. This, This is overwhelming. I can already tell she must have been overwhelmed, you know. And thinking about it, I believe some of us have gone through painful identity shifts in life. And I just want to assure you, even in those shifts, God loves you and loves you unconditionally. Some of us, like Ruth, anticipate to acquire new identities. Ruth, of course, in getting married, she thought she would be a mother. But we realised she didn't get to experience this. Because her husband died too soon. And I know we have some of us who are also looking forward to identify with motherhood. And it is yet to materialize. And I'm here to encourage you and tell you that God's not done with you yet. And he still has a plan for you. And he's going to bring it into manifestation at the right time. So Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law. And it reached a point and she now wanted to go back to Bethlehem, her hometown. And when she was going back, she asked her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, to go back to their people. Orpah went back. She went back to the God she identified with. She went back to her roots. She went back to her family. She went back where she knew she belonged or rather she thought she belonged. She went back to her identity as a Moabite. Ruth, on the other hand, clung to Naomi and decided to accompany her to Bethlehem, even when she did not necessarily have to do it. And as Ruth made this transition, she was releasing the identity she had known all her life. And of all the declarations that Ruth made to Naomi, there is one that really stood out. And it's at the point where she identified with Naomi's God. Ruth told Naomi, your God will be my God. You know, when a godless person says this it becomes a big deal ruth confessed she had left morb and she did not want the gods she had known all her life she wanted the one true god what a powerful confession you know uh, and romans ten nine tells us when we confess jesus is lord and believe in our hearts that god raised him from the dead We will be saved. And this is exactly what Ruth had declared. It's correct to say Ruth's godless cultural background had been an identity stealer. Just like Melissa McCarthy in Identity Thieves. (laughs) We need to know when God created man, he intended that we would be his image bearers. In Genesis 127 we are told that God created us in his image therefore we were meant to identify with God and then become a reflection of who he was on earth from the beginning God's plan was uh, that we would identify with him more than we did with the world and that a big chunk of our personalities would be founded on him and looking at it this is basically our identity God wanted us to identify with Him more than we identified with our cultural backgrounds, our families, our traditions, our practices, our friendships, our corrupt belief systems. God wanted to come first. And in the Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, this is affirmed because the essence of identifying with God the essence of our whole duty as human beings is to fear God and keep his commandments so fearing God is salvation giving your life to him and keeping his commandments is basically living a life of obedience after you have committed your life to him and so to live within a God-given identity would mean to first get saved and then walk in obedience thereafter and as we look at Ruth This is exactly what she did. First she left Moab and when she left Moab, when she left the place where her identity had been stolen, when once she left the place where her identity her God intended identity was distorted, then God had a chance to now access her. And when God was able to access her, she made a confession that ascertained God's saving. And so Ruth was saved from a conflicted identity status. And I feel like Ruth, sometimes we are born in places that predispose us to inappropriate identities. And that is by no means our fault. Like Ruth, we we have identity stealers that have kept us from living as God created us to. These identity stealers could include alcohol, premarital or extramarital sexual relations, our families, our traditional or cultural practices, our peer associations and the like. You know, you know them, you know them. As a result, we have ended up in sin. We have fornicated, we have been drunkards, we have been gossipers and We have tolerated godlessness in whatever form it has been. And believe me, when I talk about this, I I know it. I understand it because I have been there. I have loved my cocktails, man, I could drink. I have loved my Baileys. I have loved going out to party in the club. I had ascribed to a worldly identity. Not because I did not necessarily know God, but because I had made the choice not to identify with him between my early 20s and mid-20s, you know. Therefore, even as I talk about identity as a woman, I know how easy it is to ascribe to the wrong and fleeting sources like the world. However, when you begin to identify with God, your life changes. Ruth's God-given identity cost the Israelites to accept her as one of their own, despite her coming from Moab. Beyond this, Ruth encountered so much more in a foreign land as, quote-unquote, a godless outsider, yet this is not who she was anymore. She experienced unprecedented favor. You know, she won favor with boys to begin with. She experienced she experienced a character upgrade. You know, she was coming from godlessness. Imagine the nature of sin in morb. But in Bethlehem, her character was upgraded and people knew her as a woman with noble character she experienced great provision she came into Bethlehem as a widow and as a foreigner but she never lacked God ensured that she had more than enough for herself and for her mother-in-law Naomi as well with experienced protection you know as she collected barley in the fields You know, Boaz ensured that no man harmed her. And Boaz ensured to keep her in the company of women who would look out for her. Do you see God? She experienced redemption, you know. She had initially lost her in Bethlehem. She was a widow. But in Bethlehem, God used Boaz to redeem her. And so Boaz redeemed Ruth and married her, gave her a wife identity all over again, and also gave her a mother identity because she gave birth to a son called Obed. Praise Jesus. Ruth also acquired societal honor, while. Where she was coming from had no honor. It was not a place of honor, to be honest. In in Bethlehem, Ruth was considered an honorable woman. And we find the women who come to visit Naomi actually praising Ruth and declaring that she is better than seven sons. Isn't it amazing? So, dear woman... Are you feeling lost? Are you feeling confused? Are you feeling like you don't know which identity to ascribe to? You don't know if the worldly identity fits you? Dear woman who is struggling with accepting a godly identity. For the woman who doesn't know where she belongs... I encourage you today to leave more. Abandon the gods you have worshipped time and again. When women like me depart and leave the world behind, when a woman like you abandons sin and begins to identify with God, what he does is he transforms us and gives us a new name. Ruth has already showed us how. First Corinthians chapter six, ten to eleven says no thieves, no the greed, no drunkards, no slanderers, no swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So a God-given identity says you are no longer the same. Yes, before you are a drunkard. Yes, before I know you didn't serve me, you served other gods. Yes, I know you gossiped. Yes, I know you slept around with whoever, but you are no longer the same. A God-given identity says you are not who or what you used to be in a God-given identity God changes our beliefs he changes our perceptions and he ultimately changes our behavior in the end we begin to ascribe to the never-changing identity source who is God and everything about us changes therefore to every woman listening, I encourage you to be washed, be sanctified, and be new in Jesus' name. This has been Wisdom for Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you every week as we journey towards Christ-centered womanhood together. God bless you, and remember to live more and abandon those gods.